You are listening to the Age of Heroes podcast, a podcast dedicated to pop culture, fandom, and the geek world. My name is JP Saurikolia. I am a digital creator committed to inspiring others to pursue their passions, their dreams, and goals. I am sitting down with creators and influencers from all walks of life to talk about their work, their experiences, and how to make a positive impact. Welcome to the show. Hey guys, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Age of Heroes. This episode for this week, uh, and I have a guest of honor who I'm privileged to have with me. Uh, we've been back and forth trying to get this done because he is a busy man. He is a busy artist, probably the busiest I know. Uh, and this is Joe Mena, uh, the f- a fantastic artist who I admire. Uh, he's been in the industry for many, many years. He has worked for so many different companies, and uh, he has produced so many amazing products. Uh, whether it's statues, action figures, you name it. And everybody that follows him knows, you know, the type of artist he is. He's not only a great artist, he's also a great human being. He's always sharing a lot of wisdom, always talking about the industry, about the arts, about his life. And definitely a person that I admire very, very much. So I'm privileged to have him today. So uh, welcome to the show, Joe. How are you today? Thank you, JP. um, Yeah, I really appreciate I can't thank you enough for the invitation. It's uh, it's an honor to talk to you, be talking with you. Uh, I appreciate your patience in giving me the and and not saying the hell with it <laughs> because I <laughs> because I canceled so many times to postpone rather I never cancel it just yes. push it off. So thanks, man. I uh. uh I haven't been in an industry, haven't had an industry chat in a little while, so this is cool. I mean, this might be the first one since COVID that I've ever. Oh wow! Yeah, COVID yeah. changed everything for sure. So many yeah. things changed. And for those who are watching, uh, they're watching this on YouTube. I'm gonna show. Uh, I have, I think, some of the work from Joe. But one thing that always amazed me about your work is that you have done so many things that sometimes are unknown to the public or people do not know that actually you put your hand on it, that you were involved in the team that work on that, on that. And one of my favorite pieces that I did not know you produce is this little bus right here. This, um, star Lord, star Lord. Yeah. I was looking at it and, uh, it's, it's my favorite rendition of star Lord. Of course, this is based on the art, uh, on the run, uh, by Lanning and Abbott. Um, it's just amazing, and I love it. And I did not know you produced it until one time you just uh, showcased on Facebook, or I think it was on Instagram, you showed the renderings of the work. And I was like, so glad. It, it was cool for me. It was in my favorite bus in this line. I have a lot of pieces from this line, but it's my favorite now that I know that you were the one who did it, you know, so. Thank you. Very, <laughs> it is cool, my favorite. That was, that was art directed by my buddy, uh, Gabriel Garcia, I believe. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you Gabe Gabe's a great Gabe himself is a great sculptor and now he runs he he works for Diamond slash General Giant mm-hmm. um, I just visited but we made an LA visit kind of like a comeback tour just to get reunited with all my industry friends and I visited him when we did that uh, what's interesting you see the renders mm-hmm. his arms his arms straight out yeah. But for for, for yeah, I think for packaging, you know, there's certain oh. reasons, or just to make the pose cooler, they 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 bent the arm a little bit up. I but, see. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes a, sense. And what's cool about that is is uh, you know, for 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 James Gunn's final Guardians run, that's going to be the costume for all of them, right? Oh yeah. It's in the trailer at least. They're all wearing the uniform, which is super cool. 
Yeah, and I'm so glad that this is a fascinating comic book run and definitely took the I would say with the MCU with the the movies and James Gunn take on it. It was it's been fantastic in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to the new film. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm I'm um I'm <sighs> That yeah, that that but that's that that I did that for the former incarnation of General Giant when uh when when um we're working, we're yeah they were by themselves this, like, yeah they were owned by this uh, Carl 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 who's a good guy but then I believe and then they got bought then Carl they they kind of got bought by a company called Three D Systems mm-hmm. and then and now they now happily happily I think they're enjoying uh, I think their most productive time under the leadership of my friend Chuck, the guy who runs Diamond Select Toys. And, uh, you know, I still do Diamond and Gentle Giant, uh, Diamond Mm -hmm. slash Gentle Giant are are now my oldest running client. Uh, Mm. They, they, uh, particularly through the pandemic, uh, they they were really gracious to me because, you know, let's do one job and we're waiting for approvals. Give me another job. We're still waiting for approvals and both of those to give me another job. So they kept me, but they kept they 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 they, they kept me busy mm-hmm. throughout the pandemic. Where almost everyone else, for understandable reasons, um, Dark Horse Comics as well, gave me as many jobs as they could. You know, and and I'm still working for both companies. But that was like kind of like uh, something I was very lucky. It was luck. But the whole time I've been in collectibles, once or once I was at a point where I could have. Once I was at a point where I was able to benefit, once I, once I was able to enjoy the trust of multiple companies at once, mm-hmm. you know, because at first you're trying to just get in, but once, once I got in, um, like Flynn says in Tron too, I got in, you know, <laughs> and I always tried to keep at least, I tried to keep a client base of like three, four five clients because I just always knew, I'm not trying to say I had new, I had, did not anticipate the pandemic, but mm-hmm. You just never know right and when you have like like you and i've talked about offline with the family and stuff like that i just always always tried to juggle as many plates as i could without compromising quality mm-hmm. because you just i just i just had a feeling like you know i wanted to you know it was just kind of like a, always have like not that i would wish any 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 um ill fortune on any one of my clients because they're all great to me but i just figured like you know who, who knows right so and then what happened was what DC, 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 Warner Brothers shuttered DC Direct, you know, and and and, and Sideshow was using less fewer freelancers, and um, you know a couple other companies I work with, it just it just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. COVID COVID was too difficult to maintain, or they went out, they went full time in house stuff like that. But but Diamond and Dark Diamond in particular gave me the most amount of work, and, and Dark Horse has smaller output than Diamond and. Dark Horse gave me as much work as they could too, and I'm I'm, I'm still working for both companies uh, this weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah. And one thing, uh, one thing I definitely um you know I follow many artists online. Uh, I don't consider myself an artist, of course, because I don't sculpt or do the things you do. But I love to be or to listen to the advice or to to hear the opinions and reference to the art from from people like you, from people that are involved in the industry. Uh, and I definitely recommend any collector collectors to do that um, because uh, you will learn a lot um, by listening to people like you. Uh, and one thing I love about you is not necessarily the fact that you're an artist is that you are at the end of the day, whether you do this work or other work, um, 
you are a fan of these things you do. You are a big geek, just like me, just like most of collectors. And you're passionate about comics. You're passionate about, you know, whether it's Marvel, DC, Star Wars, and, you know, you always sharing that. And to me, it's like, I feel like I can relate to someone like you. Uh, and I think most collectors can relate to people like you because, you know, you are one of us, you know, at the end of the day, you are, you're one of us. And how did you got to this, to become an artist? How did you went into this journey uh, for of many years to get to the point you're at right now? I don't know how much of a geek I consider myself. I mean, I do have an ultimate nullifier tattooed on the side of my neck. Yeah. <laughs> I got Jack, I got I have Jack on one arm because Jack Kirby uh -huh. invented the modern comic. Uh-huh. And Neil Adams made them Neil real. Neil Adams, yep. I've got my Seal of Rassilon. I've got my Jedi, Jedi, I got my Jedi Order. I got my <laughs> Terrell Logo Corporation. Wow, I mean, yeah, yeah. But the same. See, it's like I grew up. I grew up. What was the question? <laughs> I'm talking too much. I, no, you're good. How, how, did, how do you get how, into all of this? How do you, from being I, I, a fan, become a person in the industry? You know, I love comics ever since I was a little kid. My, I've said this, told this story many times. My grandmother, um, my grandparents had a house down at the beach, down the shore in Ocean, in, in, in New Jersey. And there was mm -hmm. a boardwalk there, you know, with rides and all that stuff. There was a bookstore and, they, and then they, they sold comic books. And my grandmother, I remember my grandma bought me some, my, she probably, my grandmother bought me my very first comics. And uh, I still have a lot of them. And in particular, I remember some world's finest that she bought me. Um, uh, I think it was around the time of the Super Sons run, mm -hmm. a little bit before that even. And um, just comics were like, comics for me were just, I, 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 I there's a side, side show was really gracious to me and did an artist profile. And there's a story in there that's true about how I was, I was sick. And I was, um, I uh, was in the hospital, for, I was in a coma for 18 hours when I came oh, out wow. of it. You know, I was like, my mom said I was there with crayons, like scribbling. I was all, I, I, my, 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 the artistic, I don't want to sound pretentious, but it's like, I never, ever thought about anything else, like other than drawing or being an artist, whatever. I didn't think about being an artist. I just drew, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't know the word artist when I was a little kid. And then I would look at, I would look at comic books and stuff. And I was just recently inter interviewed for, for, actually, this is my first um, industry interview, but it's just an, an interview for my day job. I related the same story where, you know, comics meant so much to me. Wait, you know, I, I, I Star Wars didn't come out till I was seven, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm fifty. I'm going to be fifty-three next Friday, which is awesome because it's my birthday, and one of my absolute favorite superheroes. It's kind of like a tie between Superman, Captain, well, Shaz they call it Shazam, and uh, well, my favorite three DC superheroes are Superman, Shazam, and and. and batman mm -hmm. so shazam 2 comes out i mean you, i could go see it thir uh, thursday but officially it releases on the 17th my birthday so i'm like stoked I'm all three of my kids are coming with me and your birthday yeah. you know, that <laughs> means a lot to me i mean you know i i have the old filmation series on, uh -huh. on digital and i had the entire run the dc's revival run and i had superman versus shazam i had joe staten do a shazam uh commission for me a couple years ago mm. or during covid but I always loved comics and I was always drawing them and stuff like that, making my own or copying covers. And I remember I was, um, my grandfather made this special like romper room for my brother and myself and he took a desk and he cut the legs off and the chair sawed the legs down so I could sit and draw all the time. Oh, wow. 
And I remember one time I was, it was an action comics cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Mm -hmm. And I'm there trying to copy it. Him, my grandpa came up and he was like, it's Superman fighting the atomic skull on the cover. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, that yellow costume with, with, with the skull logo. And my grandfather's like, why don't you move this over here? Try and make it your own. He tried. Grandfather was always pushing me to try to be not, not that I was copying all the time, but he was just always pushing me to be creative. Mm -hmm. Like he said, if, if I, if I, if I designed a car, he'd send it to Chrysler. I mean, like, and he, and he, like literally, you know, he was, mm. he was really amazing. He died when I was 11. He was my best friend, but um, his presence still looms large, largely in my life. And, uh, and Star Wars just blew me out of the water. And I, and then that, that and then the Marvel comics that came out with that were just amazing. And, and, mm. and uh, you know, I got into doing like, not just drawing, drawing my own stuff I was always but i always read a lot too not just comics mm -hmm. i got at a very early age i got deeply into lord of the I read, I read the entire lord of the rings hobbit lord of the rings uh all four books went by the time i was like when, when I was like, by the time i was in sixth grade by the time i was 11 i'd read all of them mm -hmm. uh I, I couldn't get through the so somewhere alien yeah but um and i got really into dune i was big in hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy mm -hmm. uh simultaneously i was very much interested in greek 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 uh, mythology uh, mythology arthurian legend was my favorite but global mythology in general i had it was blessed with a really fantastic sixth grade teacher who just turned us on to all that stuff and um yeah egyptian mythology is really big for me but arthurian legend in particular became very special for me but uh so parallel to this love of comics and art and all that stuff. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm reading all this science fiction and, and especially seventh grade, I got turned on to Dune and that was just revelatory. Yeah. And um, big, big in the Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I still have all, I still have all my little pewter figures and I still, I got about 50 modules still. And all, I was always the DM. I always had to be the DM because I was the big mouth, right? <laughs> because the D, but the DM was the creative job. It was like, that was, I, I didn't, I never liked playing. I was like, either 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 exaggerating the module diverging from the module mm -hmm. or, or 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 making my own adventures and i always made my i always made my character an npc and just gave him like you know i i, I didn't take long for me for me to elevate him to god status with like you know 300 <laughs> hit, 300 hit points but um yeah like you know but i was always into like the more esoteric stuff not that not the dungeons and dry see the the cool thing about comics and stuff right mm -hmm. i had i had challenges when i was a kid mm -hmm. and i never felt like i fit in you know mm -hmm. i have a very extroverted personality mm -hmm. but even to this day this this is this is, this is my personality but it's not like there's still a lot of insecurities and mm -hmm. when i was a kid it was magnified you know a million fold mm -hmm. so i remember when the when 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 John Byrne, Chris Claremont, when I be, when I got a there was a Seven Eleven. Later on, we you know we, we moved around a little bit. And the place where we settled, there was a Seven Eleven with a spinner rack. Mm. And then this is before this is before like there was a comic. I did there was one comic shop like near my grand other grandparents' house mm -hmm. called Fat Jack's Comic Crypt. It was an extension of one a famous one in Philadelphia that's still there. I think they're closing down. Um, I forget. I or, or maybe anyway. When I when I when I first in, engaged, uh, I, I, it was X Men one twenty three, the one with arcade. Okay. Right? The, yes. I think I think it's one twenty three. When I first got that comic, that's my first X Men comic. Um, I had seen like an Amazing Adventures reprints of the old X Men, 
mm-hmm. you know, but I didn't really know who they were. Or I'd see, I would see like, you know, maybe in the odd, you know, I knew who Magneto was, but I didn't really know who the X-Men. And once I really got into Chris Claremont's X-Men, yeah, John Byrne, the beauty of the X-Men is like, so, so all of us, say, say all of us, all of us kids who grew up mm-hmm. feeling like outcasts, but loved all this for this, this, this world of fantasy, right? This, mm-hmm. this beautiful, enriching, inspired your imagination, gave you a place to hide out in, gave you, gave you, these characters became like your friends. Mm-hmm. When you read the X-Men and they're all ostracized by society, they're all treated like they're all outcasts, but together they're, they're special and they're a family. That's how I identify with the X-Men. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I was like, wow, being, being different is cool. Right. I mean, Marvel is always like about that. Like, yeah. but, but the X-Men really underscored that, like no comic ever had before to me. And I knew always Peter Parker always had girlfriend problems and shit and stuff like that. But, you know, mm-hmm. like, and then uh, I remember like driving around the neighborhood with and my mom with, I'm in the passenger seat of the car. I'm like, it was ours at the time, right? Nobody knew about the X-Men. As before. I, mean, I think there was Spider-Man. There was one episode of Spider-Man and their amazing friends and his amazing friends that they were in. Mm-hmm. Firestar was a mutant. But really, nobody knew the X-Men public. So I, I felt special, like Wolverine was mine. You know, like I drive around, oh, he doesn't know who Wolverine is. That lady in that car, she doesn't know who Wolverine is. I was like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> you know? And then got into high school, you know, started still drawing comic style stuff. I had a, really lucky to have a great high school art teacher who got me into doing fine art as well, going to like special programs, summer programs, weekend programs. Started going on a fine art vector. After I saw Kirk, Kirk, Kirk Douglas's portrayal of Vincent Van Gogh and Lust for Life, especially, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, I um, I never, I, ne- I never, I, 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 I also at that time, all, all this time, like, you know, my dad made me read the complete works. I read the entire canon of Greek literature, of Greek drama and and, and the Greek tragedy and comedy. And epic poetry by the time I was in seventh grade. The Iliad, oh, wow. the Odyssey, Hesiod's yeah. Theogony, all, all of Aeschylus, all of Sophocles. Yeah. Read all that stuff. And then I, I kept reading a lot. Of, so I was reading I was reading literature, science fiction, fantasy, and comics all at the same time. Moby Dick became my favorite book. I call me Ishmael. I have it tattooed on my arm for a reason. Oh, wow. you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how I talked my way into AP English senior year of high school. I was not like a good student, but and um that's I had a really great I had a great English teacher my senior of, of, of high school who really got me on a, like if I was ever going to have a, like if, if I, if I lost the ability to be an artist, um, like being a, being studying world, studying world literature would be my thing because English literature, my favorite writer is no longer my favorite, my favorite writer is Jorge Luis Borges. who's was a mm. Argentinian writer of short mm-hmm. stories. Um, but so all this, all this stuff just coalesced. I went to art school and, you know, and I wound up meeting this incredible mentor. Uh, his name is Leonid Lerman. I hung out with him last night here, as you know. That's why we had to postpone last night. But he, this guy, this guy sculpted and drew and it's just this philosophical and spiritual outlook on life was totally radically different from anything I ever experienced. Because mm-hmm. I was trying to be a figurative artist and everything here sucked at the time. I mean, literally everything in, in all of Europe, they'd abandoned the traditional ways of studying. As far as I knew, there was no internet back then or any of that stuff. Mm-mm. And um, 
so I, 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 I followed, I followed him to New York after I finished college because I had to get scholarships for everything. Mm-hmm. And I had, uh, I continued to study with him as I worked. I finished college, I finished grad school, went to New York grad school, worked as a waiter in Manhattan for two years to save up money to go to school. He went to school in Russia. Mm-hmm. And I studied there for two years. I met my, met my wife. I had my daughter there, my first daughter. And I came back and I lost all interest in comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just wanted to be like, uh, I, just want, I just wanted to make sculptures and um, that were my own voice, my own things, my own whatever. You know, I was into mythology and I was just trying to explore this world of, of, of making sculpture. And, um, but I still was always doing like the odd, like, you know, dwarf drawing or the odd, like, you know, the odd, the, I just could never fully got away from it. Right. I could never fully, fully got away from it. And I think the thing that actually ultimately drove me to be a sculptor. So like, because I was always thinking about this when I was studying sculpture, is Jack Kirby. Because mm-hmm. I think Jack Kirby was, um, as much as he was a great storyteller, and as as, as beautifully as he drew, mm-hmm. it never bothered me the way he drew it when I was when I saw Jack Kirby and I was a kid. Yeah, I, you know the, the hands looking like this and the squiggles, the chunkiness of it. Yeah, me, it just looked it just looked like look right. I was like, cool, this is great. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this, this guy, this guy's, this guy, this guy's doing his own thing, man. This is like, but the, the, the Jack Kirby, especially when you look at his uninked pencils, which when my teenagers years, I got to see more of, because, mm-hmm. you know, you're buying like zines or you're looking at like, you know, just, you know, there's different magazines that printed like, you know, un, uninked art and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Jack Kirby's work is so sculptural, so yeah. chunky. It's so plastic, like it's so thick and solid and chunky and structured, you know, mm-hmm. every, like, look at those panels, like cap, like knocking over a bunch of, a bunch of, bunch of soldiers or whatever. My favorite, my favorite, my favorite, I actually have it in my office at work. I have a, one of the, like the kind of things you have in the back, your back mm-hmm. wall. Mm-hmm. I have, uh, I forget, it's the bicentennial issue, the mad the bicentennial issue, yeah. Not the bicentennial treasury. I have that too. Oh, okay. But it was the issue where like it's the mad bomb. Yeah. Whatever, you know, and uh, and it's Cap and Falcon, you know, Falcon, and the Falcon in the back coming man. at you. Yeah, man. And uh, that, that issue for me, that that blew my mind. And there was another issue with the, the dude that has the exposed brain. Everything. I, I, I Once I got into Jack Kirby, like I was obsessed with Jack Kirby. And I was, my uncle had a box of 260 DCs. We're supposed to talk about collectibles, right? I'm making this a comment. That's okay. <laughs> I was upset, I, man. Once I got my eyes on Neil Adams, it was it was it was a brave and a bold. Uh-huh. Actually, yeah, actually, there's a couple world finest issues that my uncle had. He had about 200 Silver Age 60 DCs, exclusively DCs. When I saw Neil Adams, I was like, "Holy, you know, what is this, man?" Yeah, Neil Adams. I'm like, dude. So I was like, that's what I'm saying. Like Jack Kirby, kind of for me. I think Jack Kirby invent. And the other, the other really cool thing is. Uh, 1976, we're staying down at my grandparents' house, my parents and my brother and I, uh, Easter time, because nobody's down there, and the town was empty. And that Easter, I got an Amigo Shazam action figure. Mm. We weren't religious, but, but I don't know, we got presents on Easter, like, I don't know. So I got I got Amigo Shazam action figure, but I got the Fireside slipcase edition of Origins and Sons of Origins of Marvel Comics. Mm. And that too, like, that cemented Jack Kirby for me as like, oh, this, I mean, I'm, by the time I'm six years old, I'm a Jack Kirby guy. Right. Mm. And I, you know, Neil Adams is doing the Neil Adams. 
in the 70s, you'd see him do like the Adam Strange Justice League cover. He's doing like, if you don't know Neil Adams, you, as a kid, you're just seeing him do the odd cover here and there. Mm-hmm. But then when I got my uncle's box of six box of 60 DCs and I'm seeing like these world's finest issues, and then that famous Fine. Brave and the Bold issue with, with Batman, Dead Man's coming out of Batman and the hooks about to kill Batman. Yes. And then all the other, he did a couple, I had a, I had a, I got a, I had, Milk ultimately gave me that collection. I had a stack of Neil Adams stuff. And then when when I realized that when Marvel reprinted the Roy the, the Roy Thomas, Neil Adams, Tom Palmer, X-Men stuff, and, uh-huh. and then and then DC was reprinting the Green Arrow, Green Lantern stuff. Oh, I know no, you know how I actually first discovered really got into Neil Adams? DC, uh-huh. DC did DC did a lot of treasury editions. Yeah. And then there was one called The Best of DC. And it had that very, very famous Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams story about the reaper it's like there's a halloween parade and they're they're parodying marvel characters and stuff and and it's the it's it's the holocaust victim right and and he he puts on the reaper mask and everything Uh and there's that one panel where he's swinging at robin and then he sees he sees he sees the the star the the star of david david and he realizes like he's like he's become exactly what he was like trying to trying to um vent his anger about Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. So just comics were a big part of everything for me. And uh, Jim Starlin, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. uh, Silver Surfer for me, all that shit, right? I shouldn't curse. Sorry. So you're good. Not if well, I don't. Not if my people at work see it. I gotta be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so while I'm in, I finished grad school, uh-huh. and I interview, I, I meet a couple of assistant editors. My idea is like, well, I'm going to draw comic. I'm going to, I'm going to sculpt all day and draw comics at night. Mm. So I interviewed with Paul Kupperberg at DC. Okay. And he's like, you don't, you said you draw really well, but you can't tell a story. Would you really like to try inking? And I said, no. And he's like, it's too bad. We don't do, we don't do st- uh, sculptures. This is like 1993. Wow. And then I, and then I got an interview with Don Perlin. I showed him my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Don Perlin totally ripped me a new asshole. You know, Don, the Don Perlin, you know, defenders, like legendary yeah. guy, valiant, all these ex Marvel guys led by Bob Layton. It was a really cool company at the time in the 90s and they're back. Uh-huh. But another shot, they gave me, but despite the fact that he pounded me, he said, Give me, give me a sample script. So I got like four pages of Solar Man of the Atom and I did those and I took them to New York Comic Con, but I'd already had my ticket to go, go check out Russia. Yeah. And I showed the editor of Solar. She said, this is better what we published. She's like, we'll hire you. This would be great. And I was like, thank you. But I'm, I'm kind of already, I'm, I've already chosen a different path. So I, I, you know, it was always a lingering regret. So the cool thing was, so, so I come back from Russia. Uh, I, I get this awesome, incredible day job, which is, was, which is like a gift from the stars. Uh-huh. But I got a family, right? So I, I, I'm not, I need to make, I need, I need to make as much money as possible. Mm-hmm. Somebody offers me an, an opportunity to do some freelancing for Hasbro. Oh, wow. <coughs> I got from Russia and I had a really crappy job for eight years. <coughs> a horrible job, actually. But I learned digital there. So by the time it's like 2005, when I get an opportunity connected to, to get connected to Hasbro, I'm already working digitally. My own stuff, I'm still making out of clay, but I'm... Mm-hmm. I'm already very, I'm already digitally conversant. So I did my first, I did a tryout 
guy 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 said show me what you could do so i, I went out and bought a marvel legends pyro or I, I pulled it apart literally and tried to reconstruct it in software sculpt it you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. do the joints and all that and I, I sent him the file he's like yeah cool all right so he gives me a job of doing the ironmonger for the first iron man film i'm like wow shit this is cool yeah. and so i did it and they printed it up and they sent it back to me and they said we're gonna, we got, we're, we got a problem here we're gonna send it to you so you might so you'll see you'll see what's going on here and i need to I'm going to pull up, excuse me. It's okay. I'm going to take my little McFarland dark side here. Uh Because basically when they, when they, they gave me the prints all assembled. Uh Like imagine this arm supposed to like nothing, nothing moved. Uh Everything, all the joints were locked in the elbows, the knees, the hips, (laughs) nothing moved. No articulation. The only thing I think think worked, no, I articulated it. But I did it. Everything was locked in. Like I didn't give clearances. You know, I didn't. Oh, I see. I didn't design it properly. I didn't design the arc. I didn't know how to articulate. <clears throat> so this art, this art director, was a very toxic person to me. He's very. He's, but at the same time, he was incredibly ga- gracious. Like his, he was very abrasive uh-huh. in his language towards me. But but somehow he had this infinite patience that he still allowed me the opportunity to correct it, correct it, correct it till it worked. So that was great of him, actually. That was great of him. And um, and then I started working. And then I, I was doing some more. I did a, I did a Red King. It was like one of those fan pole ones. And it, mm-hmm. They only made a prototype of it. It didn't get selected, so it never got made. And I started doing some developmental stuff for the Hulk. Uh, I'm getting, I'm really, one of the things that really helped me out, Schiffel Brothers form. The Schiffel Brothers, mm-hmm. I'm posting my traditional clay sculpts, you know, plastiline sculpts mm-hmm. on there of Captain Marvel and Thor and some of the digital stuff. And the Schiffel Brothers, Jared and Brendan, really were encouraging me. A lot of people are in the big names in the industry today or all in that form back in the day. Mm-hmm. This is like a real old fashioned forum, you yeah. know, not, not the one that they have with 60,000 plus members on Facebook. Mm-hmm. This was a different kind of community. It was more mm-hmm. intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, we all had anonymous nicknames and all kind of stuff, and uh, got a lot of encouragement there. Um, uh, I pitched, I, I emailed Randy Bowen for work. He wanted to give me a Mephisto based on my plastiline sculpts, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, and 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 um, he was going to give me a shot based on this Conan that I did, and, and a Captain Marvel. And I pitched him on doing it digitally. He's like, hmm, we never, we never did that. So. You know, all that. so he gave me the opportunity to do that and I sculpted it digitally and I got it printed up. And back then you couldn't print the print, the print envelopes were so small. I had to stack all the pieces together like Legos and mm. do all this crazy stuff. I had to figure out like, you know, the budget that we agreed on, I had to figure out like, okay, I'll do the head, like the highest resolution, the body, lower resolution and the cape and the chair, the lowest resolution. Cause that was the way to economically do it. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I, I asked a guy named Adam Smith to cast it for me he, that guy who's well known and he's a prototyper in the industry because i wanted a really clean resin cast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um and then and then randy had me you know i was using some squadron putty and stuff to fix it up right but she sent in photographs to randy mm-hmm. and then and then he made it and um now i know general giant was was doing stuff the re and the reason i felt the, it was imperative for me to switch to doing statues i saw dc direct had produced a couple dark knight statues by colby jukes it was a video it was like mm-hmm. one of the genius he's one of the best digital sculptors on the planet and he's in video games he might even be a blizzard now but so colby jukes uh his 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 heath ledger 
-hmm. and his Christian Bale Batman, they blew me away. And so he and other people on Zebra Central starting to, you know, like I, I'm seeing 3D prints being done. Uh, I knew, so I knew DC was going digital or at least with, because they actually showed the digital image, like Mm -hmm. as a pre-sale thing. So I'm like, I got to get on this. I, 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 I'm like, whoa, 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 this is, this is like my thing. I'm like, I got to get on, I got to get in front of this. Uh-huh. So, General Giant, I think it had been doing digital. A couple of companies, toy companies were doing a lot of digital, but the statue companies were not so much except for General Giant, I believe. Mm-hmm. Maybe, so. I don't know. I, I don't know anything what Sideshow was doing at that point. Um, so, but I, th- I do, I think that the Mephisto was the first independently produced digital statue in the industry. I did it myself and I mm-hmm. put it out there. You know, it wasn't like there wasn't, wasn't a machine pushing. It wasn't a, it wasn't a corporate, it wasn't a company making it was, I just, I made it for Randy and, and delivered it just as any other deliverable would have been sent to him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he gave me a couple more and it worked out. And I went to wizard world, wizard world toy fair hall of fame, 2008, 2007. I don't remember. Randy Bowen actually designed this award and it was the first Toy Fair Hall of Fame award show. So my buddies, the Schiffel brothers are there in person, all these companies that normally would not come to Philadelphia for a wizard show. This is when they still had wizard shows. Yeah. They were there. And, um, and it was cool. So, you know, I'm trying to talk to different companies. I go to this guy, uh, who I think does, I don't know. I, I do. So I, I approach these different booths. Like I first to meet the Schifflets and that's awesome. And we're hugging and meet my family, taking pictures. That was great. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to approach different booths to show my work. Uh, Clay Moore was really nice to me, mm-hmm. but he said he didn't, um, he, didn't, he wasn't hiring anybody. NECA was really, na- NECA was really like nasty to me. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't want to name anybody by name, but the head guy there, he's like, uh, you know, I'm showing him my traditional stuff. I mean, I'm more, I'm almost not egotistical. I'm just going to sound like really shitty. <laughs> but you know, I'm more classical training experience. Like I, I sculpted a hundred life-size figures in the eight years between Russia and, and this time. Mm-hmm. I had 10 years of classical training. I had 18 years of training, classical training experience, right? Yeah. Like sculpting life-size figures, sculpting monuments, sculpting, sculpting everything, hyper-realistic anatomy, everything you can imagine, hyper-realistic clothing, every scale. And I have a portfolio full of this traditional stuff, mm-hmm. but, but digital is what I was doing now. So when I showed this dude my portfolio, he was like, well, it's really good, but, you know, because it's digital, it's not. I'm like, all right. You know, and he's like, digital has no future. Digital has no future. What? You know? Yeah. And now, like, half the stuff that, that they that, do that, is digital. That, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's all fine. And um, and, 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 and so I've had a problematic relationship. I've never been able to. I've never worked with them. I've, 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 I've tried to be friendly. I, I, I take all probably my personality that has been repellent in some way like even this last new york comic-con i talked to one of my old art directors from dc and he's there and he wouldn't even look at me and it's probably something i did maybe i offended him i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah so NECA is a company i've never worked for ever ever and um but so anyway i'm not trying to pit, i'm not trying to to to, to, to diss them i mean they, they do they, i i collect NECA stuff i have their um I have the Nada figure that they did, the Roddy Piper figure. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of, they do great work. They do incredible work. They do. Um, they did a better Batman, Michael Keaton Batman than I did, but I, you know, I did mine in 2009, but there's, there's, you know, I'm not saying mine's not the best because I don't want to disrespect any company that I may have worked for, but that Michael Keaton Batman is pretty cool, right? Yeah. They do incredible work. God bless them. And uh, 
So then I go to the DC booth and I'm like, are the Twitter, are the DC direct people here? I'm like, no. And this kid looks at me and he's like, he writes down somebody's name on, on a business card and he slides it, he slides it to me. He's like, don't tell anybody I gave you this. Mm-hmm. And it's the name of this guy, George Brewer, is the head of DC direct then. So I emailed George. George is like, wow, he works great. I'm going to forward it to my, my art director, Jim Fletcher. I, I emailed Jim every month, every, every month on the month for a year, 12 months solid. Mm-hmm. And out of the blue, this guy, Brian Webster, emails me. And he usually want to sculpt this window. I'm like, yeah, great, great, great. I make the window. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I guess I'm going to be a prop guy. But cool. It's DC Comics. Like, you know, like yeah. for me, it felt like, the you know, the, the, here I was, uh, you know, trying to get back in, in the comic the world. So world. Back door through collectibles. And then after I did the window, he's like, now would you like to sculpt this? And it's a drawing of Batman coming out of the window. And that's who kicked it off. That was great. So I had a. I worked for DC, then I started working for Dark Horse, where I met one another. Jim with Jim Fletcher was always great, for, great mm-hmm. to me. George Brewer, uh, uh, DC went through some changes, and George wasn't wasn't there any longer, but he stayed a good good friend. Uh, Jim's always been a good friend. Uh, I started working for Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. I, I, met, I met David Scroge, who became one of my greatest mentors in the industry. Not about teaching me sculpture and stuff, but just teaching me how to navigate the industry and just. David, David Scrooge, he's retired now, but he's just a great, 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 great man. Mm-hmm. And um, Gentle Giant was always great to me. Um, my, like one of my current, my, my, my main, one of my, one of my absolute, uh, a guy who still directs me now, this guy, Dev Gilmore, I met him when I, he, he, he and Carl were the first two people to interview me at Gentle Giant way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, by getting with Gentle Giant, I got to go to their parties every Comic-Con. I got to reach Sir, meet Sir Richard Taylor, who's now one, like I consider one of my dear, like dearest friends in the industry, just dearest friends, great friend. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he's he's wonderful to me. Uh, he's he's very very very. We've been friends for 10, 11 years. Um, uh, uh, met a lot met, met met a lot of people in the industry going to Comic Con. Always very gracious to me. Mm-hmm. Um, got to do like a lot of demonstrations at Comic Con for digital sculpting and this and that. And uh, Sideshow was another company I got to start working for, and they were incredible to me. Worked for them like 10 years or something like that. They did that artist profile like a couple years before the pandemic or something. And mm-hmm. um, Greg Anzalone, he, the owner of the company, was always awesome to me, every art director there. I've never had a bad experience. And then I have to say, Ashley Gilmore, who's, who's um, married to, to Dev now at the time, her name is, last name was Ashley Powell. Mm-hmm. Um, she was like one of the one of the principals at Gentle Giant for many years, and she I really learned a lot from her. I I gave them I I I have a lot of challenges that cause challenges sometimes for people I work for, mm-hmm. and 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 every company's been patient with me, and Ashley in particular, her you know there's not a lot at the not a lot not not a lot not a lot of female representation in the collectibles industry at least not in an executive level mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so ashley was very strong um inspiration for me because she she knew her stuff like better than anybody else in the room and when i when i got this when i got the job that i have now she was actually one of the first people that i called and i said you know as i go forward in in a in a kind of leadership position i model myself like after you and um I, I would think i would like to model myself whatever i've learned from you this is what this is what i'd like to, to like start doing start my new job mm-hmm. promotion with and um 
Chuck at Diamond. He's just, man, rock solid. Um, but yeah, so that's, those, those are all the different companies I work for. But being digital in the beginning, that was difficult. That was difficult. Everybody was shitting on me left and right. Everybody said digital's no good. Mm. Everybody hated it. All the other sculptors, either they were afraid of it or whatever. And it was, it faced a lot of backlash about the digital stuff from the whole community. People like Tim Brucker was always very gracious to me, very cool. Mm-hmm. But in posts, not about me in particular, but he, he was very, he had his opinions about digital. Critical, yeah. That was about the time when he was getting ready to retire. Mm-hmm. So he was, I'm now the, like, I, I kind of like, I loved him as an artist and as he was always very kind to me, but he kind of, he kind of went out like when he retired, he went out like, I, he kind of became the cranky old man of the industry. <laughs> And I mean that affectionately. And yeah. now, I, now, now I think I'm that guy. Honestly, I'm 53 years old, and I'm like, yeah. I understand where this. Now I see why he was cynical and this and that, or I did, but now I don't anymore because everything changes. That's mm-hmm. all that happens is everything changes. And so, like now, so things went digital. A lot of some folks didn't follow through with that, right? Yeah. So they dropped out, and now there's other stuff going. The industry's contracting. I don't understand how the collectibles business did $246 billion last year. That's everything from baseball cards to resident statues. Oh, wow. And, and, but you know, but I know there's a cargo container crisis. Like there's stuff that just stocked up on the docks for years mm-hmm. and hot c- companies can't make new stuff until they sell the old stuff. A lot of stuff you see coming out now has been sitting on the docks in Hong Kong for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's not like they just made it last like six months ago, the usual cycle. Yeah, like right now, like McFarlane has been selling a lot of the stuff that they they got from DC. All the stuff that when DC closed closed doors, now it's available. Some of that old stuff that was supposed to be it was on pre order, they manufacture, and ultimately they're selling at the McFarlane store oh, now. Yeah, they have. Well, they have. I I just I just know from because I, I I the last thing I did for McFarlane was a Static Shock. Mm-hmm. They they licensed the the DC Direct brand, so that means that all that inventory is also like available I, I don't understand the i don't know the insides are out but the way mcfarlane explained it to me is like they're dc direct they they, they have mm-hmm. the license so i always had a great relationship with mcfarlane mike gullen i used to work for him he's a super seven now mm-hmm. did a ton of uh, but anyway so when i was digital it was really people gave me a lot of shit honestly and it was really it was really awkward and then within a short period of time i had tons of guys i'm not making i'm not trying to sound like I'm some digital messiah. There were other people doing it besides me. I'm one of the, I'm one of the first. I'm not the first, the first yeah. but I'm one of the few. And so like, I have guys calling me like, Oh, can you teach me digital? I don't know how I'm going to feed my family or, Oh, should I buy this software? Oh, and there was a lot of guys behind the scenes. I helped out a lot of guys behind the scenes. And I don't mean guys in a sexist way. I, don't, I mean, I'm not trying to use a, 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 a mono directional pronoun. I mean, these are all guys that they just happen to be guys. Um, mm-hmm. the industry is very, was very lopsided in that way for many years. And I think my friend, Irene Matar pioneered being one of the first, uh, well-known women doing collectibles on mm-hmm. the sculpting side. You know, she started back at, um, Rhythm and Hughes as a traditional sculptor years ago, mm-hmm. along with my friend, uh, Rooster. And then she worked, she started working for DC direct and now she does collectibles for riot. And she's one of my best friends along with uh, this, uh, Juan Ballandron is he goes by Rooster. He's a great sculptor. He's the best fine art sculptor I think in the country. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of pushback against digital. But then the companies realize the utility 
of mm-hmm. the ability to do turnarounds faster. So if you need to make changes, it's so much more efficient, you know? And then I really resented people shitting on digital because I found digital sculpting to be more like clay sculpting than the, 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 when I first came back from Russia and even in a foundry, even in a fine art studio environment, mm-hmm. all these industrial materials and all these different ways of working to me were repugnant. Traditional to me, not only as a way of thinking and understanding the, the, the medium of sculpture, mm-hmm. the art form, mm-hmm. but the media, the media, the media use for equally part of that traditional thing, mm-hmm. clay, even plastiline, clay, plastiline, wax, for, for casting bronze or even soft wax for modeling, stone, wood, these different material. I'm not shitting on people who use super sculpty per se, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. the Schiffler brothers are geniuses and they're, they're yeah. imaginative genius and they, they, they move form around like, they, they make super sculpty look like it's butter. I don't mm-hmm. understand how they work. I, I don't understand they get the fluidity of their work. I can't, I, 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 I've tried, I can't understand it. Mm-hmm. But they're still using a synthetic modern material. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, I don't really know anybody. I never saw anybody in the industry that I would consider a traditional sculptor, right? Like Castelline, Asbro wax, Hasbro wax, wax pen, synthetic rubbers, silicone rubbers, all these materials. Rodin, if, if you put him in front of Rodin, he would like be like, what the, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. None of these materials, these are all industrial materials. These are like, like sculpting action figures in, in, in like kind of at the smaller scale with mm-hmm. the wax pen and stuff. That's more like, the way jewelers make jewelry, it's not the way sculptors, maybe Cellini, you know, in the mm-hmm. Renaissance, mm-hmm. but most, most, most traditional sculptors didn't work that way. Mm-hmm. No, no, none of them did. None of them did. They started making gelatin molds in, in the late 19th century. Mm-hmm. But even, even that was something radically different from the kind of industrial silicone molds, rubbers that would kick like, you know, very quickly with different types of catalysts and stuff like that. And I know how to use all that stuff. I worked in a foundry I and mean, I, I know how to use all these materials. I don't know how to use wax pen. I mean, I'm not saying that, but I'm not invalidating that. I mean, these people are doing amazing work with these, with these media, but they're still not traditional media. These are industrial media that were created for, for, for industry, industry yeah. the toy industry That's right. or whatever, or, or, you know, they're not manufacturing. They're, yeah. They're not, they're not traditional media. They're, Traditional sculptor means is somebody spent a thousand hours in front of a live model who's, who's, who's spent thousands of hours drawing from casts and sculpting from live models, life-size figures, mm-hmm. that's done big busts and studied composition and had this, has been part of this, this system of, 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 of generational sharings of knowledge, the same way first people shared knowledge with each other by demonstrating and doing, and it was like, First peoples were different, not, not to homogenize first peoples in, in, in North America, but there's mm-hmm. you know, tons of tribes and nations. But from all this, I, I'm very, that's a very big interest of mine. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's more of an apprentice way of learning. Like, you know, the, the young boy looks, watches the man and they, we, and they follows, his, follows his motions. And that's, that, 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 you know, tradition is something like, like there's tra- like 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 music, like music. The tradition. There's different traditions in music, right? Like yeah. any art form has traditions, but like, uh, you know, are you going to tell me that like Eddie Van Halen or John John Frusciante is like any less of an artist than, uh, say, like Gabriel 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 or, or or I mean Mozart's in a whole other planet, right? But mm-hmm. like, 
you know, and you, if you listen to Eruption or if you listen, listen, listen to Eruption and tell me that's not like effing genius, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's electric guitar. And he was, he was crazy, Eddie Van Halen, right? Yeah. He's sitting there Frankenstein and all different types of things. He had like nine patents or some kind of shit. Mm-hmm. He was constantly like building guitars. And to me, it doesn't, sculpture is about principles. It's about mass, movement, form, weight, design, this, you know, feeling. It's about feeling. Yeah. It's not about like if it's it doesn't mean doesn't it doesn't make a shit's worth of difference if it's made out of plastic or if it's made out of stone. This is actually quartz, but mm. it doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But like so, people got all bugs up their asses over this stuff, and and now everybody's digital. Now except for the great except for the great, and this is a, the the best statue I think I've ever seen in the entire industry it was made by my friend Gene St. Jean. Mm. It was for Diamond Select Toys. It was this Gene Colon Dracula. Yeah. You know, the flowing cape. Gene still sculpts in, in 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 wax, and I challenge anybody to tell name one better action figure statue sculpted than Gene Saint Gene. Gene Saint Gene, yeah. You know, I mean, my buddy Paul Komoda recently started doing digital stuff. It's kind of cool. Paul 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 Komoda is a very famous sculptor, and he draws like his his graphic work is just some. He's, he's a genius. Period. He worked with Giger. Uh, you know Paul Komoda stuff, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the Swamp Thing for Sideshow and yeah. stuff. Well, by coincidence, he grew up like 20 minutes from where I live now. So mm-hmm. like prior to COVID, like holiday tradition, when he comes back to visit his folks, we go out to diner, you know, for lunch. Mm-hmm. We did a couple of times. We hope we hopefully pick it up again this year. This year he had to cancel. But um, I've, I've, I've hung out with him in LA, but it's just it doesn't matter what medium you use, you know? I mean, it's just like, so anyway, I've gone on too long. Is the interview over? No, <laughs> you're good. You're good. So there's so, 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 so now digital is ubiquitous and everything's great and everybody's making a lot of money. And then because the same technology is being used, ZBrush is, is used in, in, in every, is in the toy industry. It's in the film industry. It's in the video game industry. It's in, it's collectibles, mm-hmm. you know. People are there's this cross pollination of video game artists starting to do statues, and everything's changing. And then you get all these kids from economically disenfranchised countries, or or just kids, that, you know, kids from parts of South America where they were where where they don't have any money, mm-hmm. and yet and because of the because of the internet and because of the democratization of 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 of, of software. Being right. available to everyone. everybody, yeah. and, and 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 so I'm not saying you have to have a classical background and that stuff to be a great artist. You know, I mean, there's these kids coming out of nowhere and they're willing themselves and they're just being amazing. You know, mm-hmm. and then like, I mean, I think one of the greatest collectible sculptors in the world now. He's I'm, well, so I'm not talking about that. So there's that, but I mean, just the cross pollinization. There's guys doing men and women and he, she, they, folks from coming from film industry doing collectibles, video game industry collectibles. Look at Raphael Grissetti, right? I know Raph. I met him a couple, bunch of times. Great, mm-hmm. great, great guy. He's like the king of video games, right? God of War, uh, executive art director for all the games. He's doing collectible statues for like Sideshow and whatever. He's doing NFTs that are making gazillions of dollars. He's doing covers for DC Comics. He's doing covers for Marvel Comics. You know, I mean, the guy's a machine. This, this... And if we were all, if if you'd been working tradition, I don't know if you would have had that expansive Ex- output, right? So I'm just saying. I mean, like, 
I think the digital stuff opened up a lot of doors for people. What hurt the industry? <clears throat> I don't know what hurt the industry. I, just, I know COVID hurt the industry dramatically. Mm-hmm. I know I lost a lot of work from a lot of companies. And um, yeah, I lost a lot of work, like big, big paid paydays. And But I understand why. I didn't understand at the time. I took it personally. See, when COVID started, when the industry just started contracting during COVID, I very solipsistically took it personal. And I was like, well, F this, you know, F collectibles. I mean, after all I've done, after all the years I put in, this is, this is what I get back. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. feeling sorry for myself, feeling sorry for myself. And companies are taking away jobs that they gave me and I'm feeling sorry for myself. And I'm just being an asshole. You know, I got, I got some straight talk from the owner of a company I won't mention. Um, no one I'm working for now, but someone I used to work for is a good, who was a good friend to me, but um, we don't talk like we used to. We don't interface. But he made me sick, Joe, it's not you. It's, this is what's going on. This is why. This is this is the economic reality of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of calmed me down. And then uh, um, I was ready. I, 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 I was ready to go full-time collectibles like four or five years ago, five years ago. And I didn't. And then I was ready to give up collectibles like a while, like right towards the end of the pandemic, but I couldn't afford to. I was going to look for other ways to, 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 to make money in the industry. Mm-hmm. I still always work for Diamond because as far as I'm concerned, the loyalty to Diamond, the support that Diamond gave me during the collect, during the pandemic, it's just, there's no way I could, I could ever say thank you enough. And Dark Horse too, but, but Diamond was a line, like, you mm-hmm. know, for every, for every 10 dark Diamond jobs, I got like, to dark horse and but that for, for dark horse that is you know they don't they they make they make dramatically less product than, than correct diamonds, so. so like yeah you know and other companies i don't know it just got weird they start going full house in in uh, full house remote in-house remote full-time in-house remote and then other company it just everybody got weird but with good reason it was a weird time and i think every every company everybody did their honest best to just try and survive. I mean, companies have mouths to feed and mm-hmm. family, people with families working for them. And, you know, everybody did their best. So we got through it and where we are now, I don't know. I'm starting to get, I mean, I, I don't necessarily, I, 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 I don't look at, I don't think collectibles are like art, art with a capital A. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Collectibles to me are kind of like the same, like collectibles to me, not, I think comic books are far more fine art than, 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 than collect. I think comics are way more fine art than, than collectibles and this is to a point. Cause there's like Bill Sienkiewicz is a commercial artist or most of his outputs commercial, but he transcends commercial. Com- he, he, his genius is just like, for me, he's, he's like Gustav Klimt, Egon Chile, Alberto Giacometti, Emilio Modigliani and, 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 and Neil Adams combined and, and, and to become something that's just trans his work is just transcendent. Yeah. Frank Miller's work is transcendent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think it's great. It's great. And, and their work will be around forever. But the, like when you look at collectibles, the, for, the collectibles remind me more of the kind of collectible porcelain statues, like the Frank Lament used to make or the kind of ceramic and porcelain statues that have been around, been around for like 500 years. Right. Not, they're not, that they're not, they're not that they're fine art. They're just more, they're meant, they're meant, they're more intimate than that. For me, collectibles are like, people work hard for the money. And when they come home 
it means a lot, right? Whether they work at a gas station, which is awesome and honorable, or whether they're like investment bankers, mm-hmm. when they come home and they have this thing that, that represents something special. Correct. See, for me, collectibles are, to me, collectibles are a doorway to that memory or to that comic or that Star Wars movie mm-hmm. or whatever. They're, they're that anchor. That anchor. So that whole sphere of, of, experience to me they're more of it they are like an entertainment industry they're more they're popular art you right. know what i mean they're not gallery that's what i'm trying to say they're not like gallery arts like we're dan you know even though you could say you know michelangelo was hired by the church biggest corporation in the world different it's still a little bit different mm-hmm. it's commercial art but that makes that makes it no less valid in my opinion correct but 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 then there's people in the commercial arts i haven't seen a sculptor myself included no offense to any 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 of my fellow sculptors in the in, in the collectibles industry that has done what Bill Sienkiewicz has done on in, in comics or what say like Mike Allred has done mm-hmm. or, or or like Frank Quitely Jesus God what he does mm-hmm. is just I mean like these guys are, these guys these guys they're geniuses of the, they're like I don't explain it that's just my prejudice I'm not I'm, I this is only my opinion I don't mean to insult anybody right. there's incredible sculptors there I I could never and the other, the, the, the other thing is to see artists, they're, they're people who write their own songs and sing it in their own voices. In the collectibles mm-hmm. industry, where we're, it's a cor- collectibles are a corporate effort. There's a designer, there's an art director, mm-hmm. there's a sculptor, there's a prototyper, there's a, pro- a prototype painter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's never one person's thing. So you, it's not the same kind of thing. Right. It's more like making a movie. That's what I'm saying. It's more like you know, it's more like making a movie than it is like making you know expressing your own voice mm-hmm. there's very few people in the now the Schiffel brothers they just make the, they just do originals they're Schiffel brothers they're, do they're, everything. I, I, they're in a different category like they're their own thing they are great artists they're, they're, they're like they're like the mobiuses or the da vinci's <laughs> yeah, no they're they're the, they're like the frisettes or mobius of our, of our of our 3d world mm-hmm. and then you have guys like the kacharic brothers whose vision is so unbelievably strong mm-hmm. that companies are like like they 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 i don't know a lot of sculptors that get to design their own stuff the kucharic brothers they're they're so phenomenally gifted there's a lot of talented people out there but to have that kind of vision that they have mm-hmm. man shit they're in a category all by themselves mm-hmm. all paul komoda's genius is just all over the place you know there's a lot of great sculptors i used to, I, I study eric sosa I, um, i'm friends with i i have i have like I would have like I look at all my friends and all their work like Dave Cortez, so many people I studied when I first started getting get collectibles. Um, Martin Canale, absolute genius with his hands, mm-hmm. and and what he Pablo Vigiano, like Martin Canale, uh, uh, Will Harbottle, Matt Black, wow. uh, all everybody in the sideshow stable. Mm-hmm. Matt's left. I don't know who else is left. I don't know what's going on with sideshow. I don't mean in, a, in any kind of smartass way. I, I, I lost. I don't. I, last time I had any connection with Sideshow, I, I, I had lunch with my friend Matt Bischoff, who was the first guy to hire me at Sideshow when I went out to LA. I, um, I love Sideshow, uh, but I'm just saying, like, you know, there's 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 genius talent in the industry. I'm just not. I'm. It's just it's different than used when to you write your own song, you make your own music. You know, yeah. it's more like being in an orchestra than being. Whereas, whereas, you know, yeah, it's like the difference between it's it's it's. It's like being in a band, but you're not necessarily writing the music. You're just, and there's, and, but that doesn't mean you're not. Yeah. You know, you're just like playing, big, a, just playing the cover. Well, not just. I mean, I'm a big Chili Peppers fan, right? So Fleas, yeah. Flea, 
Well, he's a genius, right? But he writes the music too. It's a bad analogy. There's a difference between a Marvel movie and say like a, a Stanley Kubrick film. Right. And what and like Martin Scorsese shits on Marvel movies because they're not cinema. They don't have to be fucking hot. Excuse me. Mm. They don't have to be high art cinema, right? They could be Marvel movies because that's what they are. And that, they're awesome for being what they are. Mm-hmm. There's, there's space enough for everything. It is. There so is. like, that's what I'm saying. Collectibles are more like, you know, like popcorn movies. And then like, you can have your, your high art nose in the air kind of fine art stuff. A war winning type of movie. Yeah. Uh, more artsy, artsy movie. You know what? I tell you what, I just saw The Whale last weekend. Man, that, that movie changed my life. Literally. I haven't watched it yet. I want to watch it. Yeah. It made me reevaluate, reevaluate my entire existence as a father and, and, and then connected to my love of, of Herman, of Moby Dick, Herman Melville, and uh, Brendan Fraser gave the most human performance I've ever seen in my life. I've been 53 years old. Mm. That movie was amazing. It's better than, I mean, it's like, my, my favorite film is a Russian film called Andrei Rublev, but my favorite filmmaker, Andrei Tarkovsky. Yeah. Uh, even a, a Bergman even said that Tarkovsky was the best of them at the time. He's a genius, but it, not a lot of people uh, in America know his stuff. But uh, but yeah, The Whale, man. Aronofsky, I was not really that big of a fan, but man, he, The Whale is just like, boof. I like movies like that, though. Like Peter Butter, you see Peter Butter Falcon? Yes, yes. It's It's like that, but it's even more like, punch you and it makes you cry more and it hits you in the gut more oh wow <laughs> yeah but like I, I like those kind of films man you know i like human stories i like things that make you feel human now know? i want to ask you this because um one thing that you as you mentioned earlier um you spent two years in russia but russia has had a great such an impact in your life that you still carry all these years absolutely yeah sure not only because you met your wife there but because the those were formative years there were years where you technically as an american went to live in what was considered at that time a hostile territory no and, no 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 it was after communism fell okay okay uh and it was just the opposite it was like marty i mean they couldn't like i was we were like i was the only guy with it this is the only tattoo i had at the time the cover zen and art of motorcycle maintenance only criminals had like tattoos i was like a rock star it was like it was it, it was it was And it, it was it was joyous there, you know. Communism had fallen, and it was mm. there's like people people could like there's music and all kinds of stuff. But see, I studied with this guy for six years, mm. Leonid Lerman, and he gave me all these puzzle pieces, but I couldn't put it together. And when I went to Russia, it was like they had magnets, and they just start, they all started snapping together. So mm. two years in Russia normally would not have been enough, but the six years prior to that, so basically I had eight years of Russian training. And it wasn't academic training in the way you think. We're looking at like South American sculpture. We're looking at African sculpture. We're looking at sculpture from all over the world. Mm. Asian, Chinese, Indian, everything. First peoples of North America, first pe indigenous folks from all over the world. We were, we were looking at all that stuff. And that's what we call classical sculpture. Not just like, you know, naked people in togas and stuff like that. It was, uh, it was very fascinating. You know, there's a different, different way, a very... Very almost mystical way of understanding art. Different, a very different way. My school was, and my teacher was, is. I just I had dinner with him last night. That was amazing. But yeah, I mean, but everything I've done, every single, whether I'm in ZBrush, anything I do, whether I'm doing some crazy Spider-Man drawing in Photoshop for 10 minutes, any single thing I do, my day job, my side work, my own work, absolutely everything. See, school, people think academic art is an end in itself. 
and it's not. I like I could draw you. If anybody goes online, you see these old drawings I did, like with Hercules head and all this stuff of life-size figures. That's never supposed to be an, an, an end in itself. That's just student work. Mm-hmm. It's you're supposed to build your wings so you could fly. And and there's so many artists that didn't have that kind of training, like from like that are just so powerfully gifted that like Van Gogh couldn't. Van Gogh's my favorite anything of anything, along with Bowie, but Van Gogh's my favorite visual artist. Van Gogh wanted to try and draw that way, and he couldn't because he was just such a powerful force of nature. He just apprehended reality on, on, on a transcendental level so mm-hmm. profoundly that he tried to draw academically, and he just was his figures just he couldn't he couldn't fit himself into that mold. In mold. Just beyond that, and even if you say you look at Degas, Degas, if you look, there's a book there was a book that was around about thirty years ago. Because they got, like, I don't know, all the other kids in his class, guys, women, whatever, adults, from his academy, from when he went to the French Academy or the Col de Beaux-Arts, I forget where, specifically where. But if you look at, like, Degas' drawing of the model and the other, like, 30 people in the class's drawing of the model, mm-hmm. Degas stands out like, like a shining light. Mm-hmm. The gift, his genius is already manifesting as, as, as a student. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I don't consider, like, I'm just a sculptor, right? I just, I'm just a sculptor. And, and like, I make toys and make collectibles. I don't, I don't, have, I don't care if they're art or not. I don't give a shit. I really don't. I love, I love making them. Mm-hmm. I also did the biggest statue in the history of the world. I made the digital sculpt for the digital, biggest statue in the history of the world. And I thought they were just using as, as, a, as a concept model. Now, when I look at blow ups, so I see <laughs> that the guy only, he only sculpted the face. Because there's certain things that I did in software that you can only do in software. And having worked in a foundry that did enlargements for eight years, I know the process. And when I see my stitch brush, my custom stitch brush, mm-hmm. you know, 20 feet, 20 feet across somebody's foot that I sculpted, mm-hmm. I know they use my model, but and, I, and I, but it doesn't matter because I just don't. It's, it's in my past, and I could go after him, and it could be a big, long, drawn-out thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't need credit. I, don't, I just don't give a shit. I just want to. I always think you should always think your best works in front of you. Mm-hmm. I see guys, I see, am I talking too much? I no, you're good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I see guys dropping out of the industry. I see folks being fired or I see people leaving the industry and or saying they're giving up sculpting altogether. And I won't mention names. And, and, and I empathize with them. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, if that's their choice, that's their choice. If that's me or all this stuff about AI, right? All these people. I get it. AI is AI is existentially threatening to all artists, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to stop how we make art. It may affect the way we make money making art for sure. Mm-hmm. Or, who knows? It's too early to say. Yeah. But nobody can ever stop you making art the way you make art. So I fully support all of my brothers and sisters who are protesting AI and all that stuff. I 100% support it. Mm-hmm. But if I lost my ability to make an income as an artist, I'd get a job at Walmart, Home Depot, two, three of them at a time. I don't give a shit. And this is not hyperbole because I've never, I've never worked less than two or three jobs my entire adult life. And I'd still make art in the basement at night like I used to do, you know, before. I mean, I'd still find a way to make my art. I could never, ever stop. Just like I said, I was drawing ever since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't, I just, I can't, I can't <laughs> stop doing it. I just don't see like, it is a driving like, force of your life. Yeah, I mean, everything changes. I don't, this AI thing, I'm not an advocate of it. 
I do think it's funny seeing people, not funny, but nobody's quitting Facebook and Meta, Facebook slash Meta are one of the biggest funders and of research into uh, developers of AI technology on the planet. So every second we spend on Facebook, we're supporting the biggest maker of AI. <laughs> and I'm not trying not to shit on my friends. I mean, I'm on there too, right? But mm-hmm. I just don't know how we get away from it. It's already, and AI does, AI is not just visual art. It's like, it's going to do things in the medical industry, in the military, in, in like all kinds of different sciences. At NASA's using AI to do different things. I read about like really crazy cool things. Mm. As, as a child, as a student, of, as a child of Asimov, reading the foundation books and, and, the, and the robot books, um, would I love to see a positronic human being or positronic being someday like Mr. Data? Kind of, yeah. Is it scary? <laughs> yeah, like that, that was my dream since I was a little kid. It is kind it, of funny mean, because um, as you mentioned it, um, the interesting thing is like if you grew up like I did like you as a kid, as a child, reading all these classic stories, literature, where there's sci-fi stuff, where there is the all the mythology, all that. As like as a kid, I read all these books. It's like it prepare you for what we're seeing now. It's like I see it. I know some people kind of are afraid of it, but at the same time, to me, it's like okay, this is just a vision that is coming to fruition. The vision from people that who wrote about this over a hundred years ago. Um, it, it's amazing. It's it, at the same time, it's kind of chilling because how things are advancing and how this technology is um, changing the way we perceive things. But as you mentioned, I think that AI, even with all the fear, and there's so much that we don't know yet, but it's a tremendous tool that can be used for a lot yeah, of things. I, well, the thing about it is I get the visual art side. I, I mean, for me, I... I mm, Let's just say in any sphere of influence I have, it's 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 like uh uh-uh. uh doesn't 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 count as original work. I'm not a big I don't I don't use it myself. I'm not a fan of anyone else using it. I don't I don't I'm not a supporter of it. Mm-hmm. I like the way Adobe's art director mentioned. He's like it has interesting possibilities, but for now, we're staying away from it. And he he worded it very eloquently. But for me, it's like uh yeah, the science fiction stuff made me made us open to this stuff, but it also inspired it the same way that like countless astrophysicists and NASA's NASA scientists and engineers say they'd start their, their careers are direct result of star Trek, the old series, original series. Mm-hmm. And then and next year, the first space shuttle is even named after the starship enterprise. I mean, there's countless people, the space force logo looks just like Starfleet's the logo. Starfleet logo. Yeah. You know I mean? So all these cyberneticists, now, there's a famous Polish science fiction writer, Stanislaw Lem. It's not just Isaac Asimov. We're talking about Philip K. Dick, right? Do, do androids dream of electric sheep? You have the replicants in Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. But oh, in, the, in the book, they're, they're androids. Mm. I mean, you know, in Philip K. Dick's original book, they're mm-hmm. androids. Stanislaw Lem, the guy that wrote the book that Solaris, the, the American George Clooney film, but the classic Andrei Tarkovsky Russian film is based on. He's one of the greatest science fiction writers he's right up there with ursula k Le Guin and philip mm-hmm. k dick um he he had books called the siberia and this is internet he's internet it's published published all all translated in english artificial intelligence has been explored in science fiction forever you can't tell me that these scientists and engineers weren't inspired by it when they were kids mm-hmm. and when i read that google that google uh 
engineers project uh, Lambda. Lambda. Okay. I guess I guess you call it a chatbot now. But I was like, damn, man, I was like, wow, the, the poetic way this thing responded and mm-hmm. the way it seemed like a child and it had this sense of wonder and it was weird. And it wrote poetry and short stories and like, and, and, and it had multiple layers of meaning and it was able to analyze literature. And it was just, I don't know, man. I mean, how do, Crazy. You, <laughs> how do you sit there and love C-3PO and then say you don't like artificial? I just don't get it. You know? Oh, wow. That is a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, like everybody, everybody loves BB-8, right? Uh-huh. It's like, I think we're just in a period of, I think it's too early to worry about anything or, or tell. We're in a period of transition. Conversely, I know a lot of, I know a really famous, world famous illustrator, great painter, probably best painter in the best illustrator on the planet for, for children's books and things like that. Russian guy. And I'm like, well, you know, his career kind of, he, he started, it wasn't, he his output changed. And I was like, what happened? He said, Photoshop. This is before AI. He's like, Photoshop. He's like, who wants to pay me $10,000 or whatever for to spend two months doing a painting for a cover when they can have some, some asshole Photoshop it in like two hours, yeah. take a photo. And, and that, that look, look at most book covers now. Fiction. Look at look look. Go, walk through Walmart. Go to Barnes and Noble if any still exist. Mm. Look at look at actual you know physical books. Look at the book covers. You don't see you don't see the kind of like you don't see the kind of great science fiction painted covers from the sixties and seventies anymore. You know what I mean? Like some of the greatest. My favorite art is also the sci-fi book covers from the sixties. Oh man, in the early seventies, man, that revolution in illustration was like radical, man. Mm-hmm. You don't see any of that stuff anymore. Like, for example, another thing you mentioned, like recently, um, uh, when I went to watch uh, the uh, Ant-Man movie, The Quantumania, um, I love the film. And I know a lot of people didn't like I, the film. I, I, I loved it. Just, I, I'm right with you. Yeah, I liked I, it. But one thing that surprised me, and I think one of the biggest criticisms people were having is of the digital, uh, of the CGI, because it's massive, the CGI in this film. Uh, and it's, it's we have come to a place where you know from movies where everything was done practically into everything is done by in a computer and it's you know everything in the background i've never been offended by it i know some people have a hard time with cgi but to me it's just an evolution of the industry itself to produce uh a visual references that we didn't have before we weren't able to see none of this before i thought the first half of ant-man is some of the most visually inventive stuff i've ever seen on screen I'm not saying that the CGI was great. I'm not judging that. I'm not a value. I'm not talking about the CGI itself, but the CGI, the the the, the, the diversity of the, of the aliens and the characters. Oh yeah. That opening that first half an hour, original, different. Like you know, this is like this for me. This was like on like Star Wars Cantina level of originality you've never mm-hmm. seen before. Crazy stuff. One thing I'll say about digital that I think is bad. Okay. For the tradition for, for collectibles. Mm-hmm. And this is where I get. This is a cranky old man part. <laughs> I think I think I think the stuff that Bowen did, the stuff Sideshow still was still Sideshow still to an extent. Bowen statues were the most pure in terms of their sculptural beauty. Correct. Um, but all this greeble, all this like in music, right? If you just had one drum beat, mm-hmm. you know, it's not music. Or the bass, you have to have pauses. You have to have space between beats. Correct. Space between notes. I mean, you're talking to a guy that doesn't stop speaking, so I'm like a total hypocrite, right? But, 
So you look at all these statues, like these prime ones and all these other XM and they're making, and it's just so much effing detail on top of detail, detail, detail. Your eye doesn't have anywhere to stop and take a break. Exactly. And it's like, you know, and I know I tend to say like, you know, I know certain, I know I, some collectors like that maybe, but it's like, you know, how many variant heads and how many this and how many that, like, that's all cool. But when you just have nothing but detail all over the place, no focal point, <laughs> nowhere for the eye to rest. No. And, 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 it, and, and the manufacturing costs of them are astronomical. Oh yeah. There was a grace to and DC directs and Bowen designs. Uh, Diamond's still doing it. Uh, Diamond, Di I think Diamond's, Di Diamond's cinematic base work is awesome. And I've been gifted with a lot of opportunities to have a lot of fun with that. Like Moff Gideon, all the Star Wars stuff mm -hmm. I did, MCU stuff. Man, I actually, I love doing that stuff. But the, the, the Diamond's gallery, um, the PVC stuff, that, the dioramas, uh -huh. I think they're, they're, they're the last standard bearer. So that old-fashioned Bowen kind of mm -hmm. comic book, like Gene St. Gene's vision. That was yeah. awesome, you know? And um, they do so many cool superhero statues that still feel like the comic books. You know, they feel like the comics. They Correct. feel... You know, and this other shit, like, I don't need to see Batman re or whatever character. It could, it's all cool. I'm not knocking anything. But, like, when these when these statue companies or whatever, well, like, well, XM's um, White Knight Batman statue that my friend James Kane sculpted. James Kane's one of my favorite sculptors, too. He's a brilliant sculptor. Mm -hmm. That White Knight Batman, big quarter scale, that was that was amazing. That thing was amazing. And I, th I think Sean Gordon Murphy actually even designed a special bike for that. Mm -hmm. That's, 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 that was, that's, that's. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like when you see like this, you know, just, I mean, I don't need to see like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. Seams everywhere, textures on top of textures on top of textures, you know, I mean, like all this different detail, 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 how, how many grenades and how many this and how many that, and like, you know, or like mm -hmm. how, how many different piping lines and seam, you know, and cell textures and all this stuff. It's great, man. I mean, if it's replicating a, a cinematic hyper real estate, if it's if it's a realistic attempt to, to to manifest something that's like a film character, I get it. But, but like you you said, even the war said it like that when they it's so hyper realistic that it's way above reality. It's um, it's not something that you know. Sometimes we need to go. I I feel that the industry is going in that. Has some companies have gone in that direction where there's so much in it, so much detail. So much it's so extreme that it doesn't feel real i think there's a, but they're obviously doing it because there's a market for it so i'm there's... just speaking from my own perspective other folks might love that stuff and god bless them mm -hmm. whatever keeps the industry going is great but me personally and this is where i start getting to be the cranky old man <laughs> i like the pure like for me john bushima jose luis garcia lopez you know like uh jim apparel john byrne john i worship john byrne john, jesus yeah. god on um, you know and but then the contemporary artists like frank quietly is one of all he's a Amazing, genius he's yeah. a genius look at the clarity of his form the cleanliness of it the the power of the it's the, just the storytelling yeah yeah but even the way he, his forms the rhythms the shapes the, the masses you know he doesn't need to have like and mike allred man his the, the purity of his work it's the simplicity of it you know that this and and i don't know man there's there's a lot of great artists that whose names I don't know. I read a lot of new stuff. Actually, believe it or not, I still do. Greg Capullo. You know, Greg Capullo, man, his, his, his Scott Snyder and what he did, what he and Scott Snyder did on Batman, mm -hmm. even the Dark Knights and Dark Knights Metal. That stuff's wildly ridiculous. It's awesome. 
And, you know, I, I think there's space for all of it. I just know what part, I know what, I know which part of that space I like to be in. That's all. You know what I mean? I mean, you're talking to a guy that's wearing a stupid Flash Gordon shirt. I mean, I'm 53 <laughs> years old. I'm, I'm, I, One of I my favorite movies. Yeah, that's a kid. But I don't, I don't, just, I don't want to live in. But I could never be one of those guys that use like marvelous designer. You know, the anatomy, the drapery sculpting software. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love making collectibles. I love doing it. Uh, I love doing clay sculpture. I'm building my clay studio back now, right now. Um, first one I've had in 17 years. I love working traditionally. I loved, I, I loved, I want to do my, I love making my little sketches. I love my day job, which is a gift from the force, God, the source, Jack Kirby, the source, you know, <laughs> anything you want to call it. Yeah, man. Uh, day, uh, my day job is, is my number one commitment. I have to say it's all that matters to me, mm-hmm. honestly, as an artist right now. It's the best opportunity I've ever had in my life. It's the most important thing. Collectible is something I do on the weekends, but it's something I've always done on the weekends because my day job has never been anything less than the most important thing to me. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I was thinking about walking away from it about five years ago is because I was making a lot of money. Collectible, <laughs> 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 you know, a lot. That's all. That's it's, that's not what's important. I mean, it's I. I don't need a lot. I need enough. You know, I think that you know, I think you got to find a balance between enough. A lot, a lot is gluttonous. And I think it's, it's not uh, healthy or if, you know, if you're in it, some, I, I mean, I, I get it. There's some people that just send it to make money and I don't judge that. But for me. Now, what do you do? Um, because of course we've been talking about your work and definitely, as you mentioned, you mentioned to me even before we started uh, the recording that you technically work like hundred hour weeks, which is extreme, but you've been doing it for so many years with yeah, your daytime job, plus all the projects that you do with all these companies. Uh, how do you maintain that sanity? Um, what do you do besides, you know, the work in order to keep yourself grounded? I work, I work, I, I've always, I've always, one thing pisses me off. Oh, you look, you have a day job. I'm like, yeah, really? I work 18 years to get that job. I work my ass off to get that job. And then I worked, I would come home at five o'clock. I take a eat, take a nap at seven and work till one, two in the morning, get up at five o'clock and did that for years and years and years. And I was able to do it because I was young. As I got older, I'd slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then when I got this promotion a couple of years ago, I had really, that required all of my, because I just, my, my former position was, was um, just being, a, well, not just, it's very important, but I was a practicing artist. Mm-hmm. But then once my role expanded, it required all of my, my, my head space. I mean, I got big, big ass head, but so, so then side work became st- while, while the economic imperative of it remained, it became with the pressures of my day job changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was like a role reversal, like in the old days, like sculpting collectibles was like my escape. No, 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 no. There was a lot of pressure balancing, like doing three, four, five companies at once. And I'd go to work and I'd be like, oh, cool. I'm just doing this. And I could really just put myself all into it. It was like an escape. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was fun. And now, not that my day job's not fun. It's just, it's bigger. It's a lot bigger. It's a lot of pressure. And it's pressure that I bring on myself because I'm being given opportunities to expand and grow in my role. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking on this stuff. Nothing's been, it's all positive pressure, if that makes sense. It's responsibilities rather, mm-hmm. responsibility. But now collectibles has become like, like my little hat. It's like, it's, 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 it's 
I love, it's like my happy space because like, cause I've been doing it for so long. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been sculpting digitally since 2001. Mm-hmm. I don't care how the technology changes. I mean, and, I, and I'm not Mr. Fancy Pants digital sculptor. I use like three brushes. My friend, Paul Gabriel Zebras calls me a brute force sculptor. <laughs> I know how to, I know how to texture map. I don't use any tricks. I don't use any bullshit. I just, I just, I literally sculpt with three brushes, every single thing I do. And I'll use primitives. I do use the modeler and stuff, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, that's only because I gave up my and freeform and shit like that. I just, I just, I read a lot of comics. Um, you've seen pictures of my studio on, on, on yeah. Facebook and stuff. I have uh, my backlog of omnibuses and collected editions is probably at least about a hundred that I haven't gotten to yet. Oh wow! And I can't. And I just, I just got the Captain Marvel I mean, omnibus. Mm-hmm. I, I have to get the Marvel Planet of the Apes omnibus when that comes out. I like reading. It's, it's um. Look, Silver Age Teen Titans right here. I mean, oh yeah, it, but the, oh, it just happens to be here. But like, so here's here's Pete Craig Russell's brilliant Stormbringer Elric. Right? Elric, have this year, right? Howard the Duck, yeah. <laughs> and and I look at the back, and automatically, no matter where I am, if I'm here uh-huh. on a road trip, if I'm Washington D.C. for my day job, uh-huh. I'm in L.A., I'm I'm in my house in Jersey, here in the mountains. You open up this, you open up these books, right? And and these panels. It's like, I like the way Grant Morrison ha- talks about comics in a very meta way. Mm-hmm. You're participating with this comic. You open up this comic, mm-hmm. no matter where you are, no matter where you are geographically, this grounds you to your your background, your history, who you are, who you, what you love, mm-hmm. what inspires you. Mm-hmm. Comics are, to me, are the most special medium in that way because you always have home in your hands, no matter where you are. Mm. And so I love comics like, End of the day, I read, I, what I do is I typically, I read comics for like, as long as I can, until I feel like, I, I, I have to be, I leave at six for work, so I get home anywhere between, I get home like, it's anywhere between 6.30 and 8.30, uh-huh. and I work, but only like Monday through Thursday, because we do four, four, ten hour days, so, and even on the weekends, like even t- tonight, what I'll do, I'll, I've got my new God, John Byrne, new God's omnibus. I got my mm. John Byrne. I have the thing omnibus out there. I have Grant Morrison's X-Men omnibus and mm-hmm. I have Jimmy Perro's volume two, um, DC collection. I think I've got an omnibus out there. Maybe not. So I'll read though. I, I, I like reading them around Robin. Read, I'll read one, like I said, one or two issues out of each one. Uh-huh. I read mm-hmm. comics until I, I feel same. like, yeah, I read comics until I start feeling a little bit. And then I'll pop on like last night I watched Picard episode four. I was like, oh, this is great. You know? like, <laughs> yes. I saved Mandalorian because that's what it, my son and I watch with your son. That, yeah. And, um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll pop on a Disney plus or a Marvel show or, or, or DC show, whatever's on. Like I love doom patrol. Um, I read comics until I feel like it's almost time. And then I watch TV until I can't. You know, I don't like if, if it's a weekend like this, I'll watch the whole episode. But if it's a if it's a if it's a work night, school night, I call them school nights. Uh-huh. If it's a school night, I watch like 15 minutes of it here, 15 minutes of it there. Yeah. Like I love Bad Batch. I love, I'm I'm watching the last two episodes of Bad Batch. Yeah, right I've been now. watching that one too. Enjoy it very it's, much. It's incredible. The ex. It's. I mean, everybody it, like Andor is great, but Bad Batch also gives you so much incredible background that like mm. nobody's even like. Nobody even pays attention to Bad Batch. There's like so much like mission critical Star Wars in yeah. that show. 
It's like ridiculous. We're living in amazing times. Like all these shows coming coming up everywhere through the you know digital services, um, shows, movies. It's just amazing. I'm just as a if I would look back as a child reading comics back in the day, which there were not many kids reading comics, yeah. to to see now what this has become. Like everything is sci-fi, you know, all these movies and all that. And yes, we can be picky and critical about a lot of things now. But it's just an amazing time to to see all this art, all this yeah, there, stories. There's, there's part of me though. You see my Justice League jammies? No, I got. No, you're good. <laughs> no, I, I, got, I got first first shop Justice League pajamas I've got up here. They're like probably ten year olds, but they they fit me. I'm not tall. <laughs> but there was something special about this man. Boba Fett, yeah. No, I mean like this time, you know who he was. You know anything about him? There was such a great. Except for the Marvel comics, which were like Jackson the Rabbit and all that other amazing stuff. Mm-hmm. It was great. But I loved the fact that I could make my own stop motion animation, Star Wars 3, Struggle of the Alliance, with mm-hmm. my Kenner figures. There was a, you, you, there was a lot left to you for you to explore. Yeah. Like one, one of these kids, one of my friends in grade school, he writes a play about like Luke Skywalker fighting like Ridley Scott's alien. I was like, what, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? But it was cool, and now the, mm. I love that. I love that there's all this content. It makes me sad that this content will live. Will, there'll be it, it. It makes me a little bit feel weird that this content will continue to go on after I'm dead. I never thought that. Mm. But and, and, but I also appreciate the richness of content available to us. But there's just so much shit out. I don't have time, man. I, I watch. That's true. That's true. The only show I the only show I binge was Peach Peacemaker. I saw that I watched Peacemaker and like I was blown days. away by that movie. I was I was impressed by it. I wasn't expecting much, but I was so impressed when I watched that one. I didn't want to watch it. At first I thought like James Gunn's Suicide Squad was a little bit heavy for me, and I thought James Gunn was giving like an FU to Disney mm-hmm. by making it so violent with the curses and everything. Yeah. It was great, but I was like, ah, whatever. And then man, once, 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 and I, but I love James Gunn. I love him, love him. I love him, yeah. So once, 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 once he switched teams, and I realized that Peacemaker's basically the prequel to the James Gunn DC universe, right? Yeah. I'm like, I'll watch it. And God, it's my favorite. It's my, it's like my favorite superhero TV show ever. (laughs) John Cena, he has more Make-A-Wish Foundation, Guinness Book World Record holder for World Make-A-Wish Foundation. I I wasn't sure. I, I didn't know. Yeah, he's just a good dude. And. And James Gunn, it's just so funny. Every from that from that opening, it's just like that show is just so much. Like there's a lot of violence and stuff. And- oh yeah, you know what? It was impress. It was impressive to me because as you know, I never really cared much about uh, Cena as an actor. Um, you know, he played this and that, and I always thought that he was just playing himself. But this show make me like like him make me like him as an actor like i was like oh wow this is this is that def- gun definitely did a fantastic job with this show yeah you take this one-dimensional character and, oh yeah over the, over the course of a season make him a fully well-rounded beautiful like awesome it, human being it, it was i was impressed a fantastic all around everything from the intro song to the music the, 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 the soundtrack everything was just perfect did you see the and then i forget the actor's name but the guy who was the head of team peacemaker is now high evolutionary in the guardians film too yes yes that's right that's right and i love i love the way that they've made high evolutionaries instead of the helmet the ridges are, are like they look like they're part of his like his his, his they're, bi- they're they're biomorphic you know like uh-huh. 
I, I, I do, I dig, I, I gave I gave my one friend who, de- who was a designer for uh, Eternals. I don't think he likes me anymore. Ian Joyner, he's a great designer. That's the guy I was tra- the name I was trying to think of. He was, he was also putting like pro, pro, not not at the same time that um, Colby Jukes was doing the stuff for DC. Ian Joyner was popping up uh, this great Wolverine uh, that he had rapid prototype. This is back in like two thousand six, seven, whatever. But um, Ian Joyner was a designer for Eternals, and I I private messaged him. I I, I shouldn't have done it. I was like. Dude, it was great, but man, like, those aren't deviants, and deviants didn't look like that. And like, I, I did some fanboy bullshit, and they're like, and and the Celestials, I'm like, where's Jack? And like, and it didn't look like. For me, the Eternals are so specifically Kirby to not Kirby them up. Uh-huh. I get the. I understand that film characters have to be elevated to be in a cinematic universe, but and then and then, but actually, I loved Eternals, and Ian's a genius. I loved what he did. I, I just had the divorce. I had to, I had to pull up my, my buddy, I have a buddy at work, John. And he says, you never go into film with expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go in with the expectations, you're going to ruin it. Just wait to be in, wait to enjoy something new. So I watched Eternals again, but just try to look at it for fresh eyes and the beauty, the concept design and the artwork was amazing. I love the Eternals. Nobody else. I mean, I love, I love, I, I mean, Star Fox shit. I can't wait. For, I, don't, I don't know who Harry Styles is. My kids were all like, ew. I'm like, I don't know who he is. You know, I had no, I have, to this day, I, I guess he's a pop star. Yes. And I can say that lately I've been listening to some of his songs and actually not that bad. He's a pretty good singer. Um, I, I just started listening to Gorilla's new album today. I was really shocked by that. I but I'm, I'm always been like, and I'm, I'm, I love music no matter what. So I, I go from all different type of music and I love the sound. As long as it's good, I, I listen to it. Um, all different genres and all um yeah it's uh, you know like one thing i like i said about that i like for example um even going back to what the reason why i love thor ragnarok uh the film from the mcu is that one of the things that i enjoy about the film is how many visual references were there that remind you of kirby um yeah that was the most kirby out one it was the most but 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 wasn't there celestial and ant-man where did I see a celestial head? I saw I saw real celestial. Um, it was on. Um, well, it was on the Guardians of the Galaxy. They have the celestial head. Of course, this is based on the. No, no, no. I mean, I saw a real Kirby celestial. Oh, okay. That was in the most recent Thor movie, Love and Thunder. That, you know what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there yeah, was yeah. a celestial too there. I don't know. I just just to like you were saying, just to think about just all like, the stuff the, like, that was taken from like, Kirby. Oh yeah, like, all the like Jeff Goldblum's like his 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 little his little his little private box is is you know um, I forget what they're called the stadiums, but is a uh, Coliseum or Super Box is Super Box you know yeah. like with all the Kirby graphics and stuff. Yeah, there, there were a lot of nice nods to Thor. Um, yeah, those MCU the Marvel Universe designers are great. Um, I think I think there's a utility though. I think I, I don't know if it's if I don't know like if constantly having the same folks work on the same thing, the same people directing it because certainly you you run the risk of there being a certain kind of homogeneity yes. in terms of the costumes and stuff. So like, but I'm not judging anything. I'm just saying like, I think that was one of the problems that George Lucas had with the first two prequels, which I love actually. I love. Mm. I worked for a guy who was a multimillionaire, and nobody ever said no to him. And when I watched the behind the scenes stuff. 
and I see George Lucas, like I see like a thousand, I see like a hundred super sculpting my kids. And I know what a pain in the ass super sculpt is. And George Lucas like, I like that head mm, on that body. And you see the sculptors go, oh, or you, see the, <laughs> you see all these beautifully rendered like uh, storyboards. And he's a big marker X, X. I'm like, oh, oh my God, oh. ruin it. <laughs> Nobody, because when he made Star Wars, when he made the first three movies, even especially Star Wars and New Hope, you know, he's just trying to do his... I, I, I think I think there's a benefit to making something Tarkovsky, new. The, Tarkovsky, the filmmaker I talked about, said there's artist. It's good for artists to have hardships because it makes them. They have to. It makes it. They have. They, it, 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 artists not suffer, but nothing. Not, making art shouldn't be easy. But in general, like I think when you have less to work with, it forces you to be more creative. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mothers and. Mother, wait, uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Correct. When you have every, when you have all the money in the world, you've an army of people licking the bottom of your shoes saying, yes, 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 yes. I mean, it's kind of hard to make something good out of that. That's why you had to bring in people to help with the script in episode three. And I love, I like, I, I love Revenge of the Sith. Now, coming to, yeah, now to the end of the podcast, now that uh, you have shared a lot and I appreciate all the stuff you share, you know, you're just such a fountain of wisdom and storytelling, which is amazing to me. Um, what would you, just old. <laughs> what will you tell? Like, I know that right now you, you have opinion in reference to what is happening in the industry. And I know a lot of young artists or people that want to get into this industry, whether it's, you know, collectible industry, whether it's toys, whether it's statues or even produce your, their own stuff. Uh, they might feel scared because what they're looking at, what they're seeing, you know, there's a lot of uh, fear mongers around there, you know, for a lot of obvious reasons, some people have the right reasons to be afraid. Uh, what would you tell young people that they want to get into this path? What would your advice to them? Don't have your head up your ass and, and think you don't have to have a day job while you're getting started. Number two, I think if you can be creative enough, I think now is the time for the entrepreneurial spirit and people to, to take over i think kickstarter and crowds crowd you know crowdsourcing Sourcing. i think that's the way to go i think if you get your own ip rolling and get it taken off and and do your own thing then then you don't have to then you don't have to worry about a company closing and this and that um i don't see collect i i don't i don't know if collectibles is a viable way for people to make incomes going into the future companies like these big these big companies where they're doing these big quarter, not, not, I'm not talking about sideshow, but these other companies doing quarter scale and third scale statues. I'm not talking about PCS either, but you know, paying people 1200 bucks for a statue so that people used to get paid 10,000 bucks, 12,000 bucks to do, you know, the, the industry's like, I don't know, man, but, but most of these companies are people I don't have experience with. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have any advice. All I know is I'm just grateful that I have clients that I've been friends with for many years. that still trust me. Diamond Select Toys I've worked with now since I don't know how it's been like 15 years or some shit like that. It's been about 12. No, it's, yeah, it's about 13, 14 years. I'm blessed that Chuck still trusts me to do stuff for him. I've let him down many times and he always gives me a chance to get back up. I've, I've given my art director, Dev, a hard time, and he, he, he gives me grace to, I'm not religious, I don't mean to use that language, mm-hmm. but you know, he gives me the grace to get second chances. I've had more second chances from Diamond than I deserve. Dark Horse as well, they're very good friends of mine. I know all the people I work with, I, I, especially Rebecca and Chris, are good friends of mine in the industry. And um, 
I don't know what to tell anybody else. I mean, yeah, be be try and be a good guy and hang around long enough so you know enough people that you can figure out a get way to get work. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to tell anybody start starting out because I don't know what it looks like on that side of it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm still just trying to hang in there. I'm barely in this business anymore, man. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't want to be, because it's just like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm like I said, I have. It's not that I'm barely in this business. Just like business has changed, and I'm just glad to still have the companies that like. Still trust you. No, that like the way I sculpt still. Mm-hmm. That might change. You know, I don't know. I think I could do anything in any company would want me to do. All that stuff with all that detail, it's honestly not that hard to do. It just takes more time. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the collectibles industry that's actually really difficult to do if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You have basic fundamental knowledge of the software, and you have a and you have and you have a just a basic skills like talent level and edu- you know and all this stuff. You can, if you're if you know how to make things shape if you know how to make thing if you know how to if you know the shape know how to make shapes that look like shit, and you just have to put make more of them. I mean. Mm-hmm. It's not hard. It's not that hard, honestly. But um, I don't know. I really have no advice for anybody anymore. And I don't get it. I get a lot of people. I get tons of DMs and PMs. People asking me. I don't know what to tell you because half more more than more than more than like seventy percent of my clients are gone. They don't even exist anymore. They 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 they're they're just not giving out work. Mm-hmm. Even Super Seven hires all these people in house, and then they fire a whole bunch of them. I just heard and. I don't know what's going on. McFarland, uh, I don't. I think they're all in house. Um, I don't know what work there is. I really don't. I think the, the safest bet, honestly, is probably get a job at a toy company mm-hmm. because people are always going to be making toys. Yeah. And that and that's something a friend told me that switched from a collectibles company to a toy company. I think he's absolutely right. Safest bet is to try and like you know, get a job with Hasbro or Mattel or Jazzwares or something like that and. Or freelance form at least, because I, I think there's more security in plastic than in resin. Mm-hmm. You know? Bigger market, yeah. Walmart's. I mean, I was at Walmart today to pick up some some, some gym equipment for the basement. A couple of dumbbells, just barbells, dumbbells. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always go through the toy aisle. Me too. You know? Always. Yeah, right. <laughs> but my Walmart. That's where I got this. I got that too. <laughs> yeah, I got my supermobile. I mean, yeah, McFarland. I don't know. I, I think I pissed them off or something. They don't. They don't. They're like. They wanted they, we we had a misunderstanding and um, it wasn't even personal. It was like it was just something they they they, they want misunderstanding and uh, I did that static shock. I, I didn't articulate, mind you. I just did sculpt. I, I don't think I sculpted electricity coming out of his hands. I can't remember, but I did so much shit for them over the years. I worked for them for a long time too. They're a great company. Um, they're still a great company. Todd McFarlane's a genius, and mm-hmm. Ed Frank that runs the collectibles division. He's a great guy, and they're good people. McFarlane. I don't have anything bad to say about anybody. I mean, I did shit on neck at the beginning of the conversation, and um, but I don't have any animosity towards them either. I don't. It doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters. All that matters is being good to each other and being kind of. Uh, right. I'm not trying to get all religious. Just saying, man. <laughs> yes. This collectibles industry, nothing lasts forever, man. Nothing lasts forever. This shit, this shit did not exist like thirty. This thirty years ago, it's like resin kits. It's resin kits. You know, I go to Brave New Worlds in Manhattan, and it's they're they're resin kit models that you assemble and paint. They're vinyl kits, vinyl kits rather, mm-hmm. vinyl kits. There weren't, there wasn't a collectibles industry. No. And then like, then you have your because you had your toys. Yeah. Mattel, Mattel and Hasbro. 
And then DC Direct comes along and starts making like these the first comic accurate things ever. Mm -hmm. And then Gentle Giant, Sideshow, you know, these there wasn't a collectibles industry 30 years ago. Who think who who why who thinks there's gonna be one three years from now? That's I don't true. know. I, nobody I knows. Yeah, nobody knows. It's just hard to tell. Some, uh, one one art director explained it to me very intelligently. He said, these millennials, digital for them. Everything own. They don't they don't they don't gather things. They're more nomadic. They go from city to city, job to job. You know, like they don't really it's not our, our culture, consumer culture isn't really thing based anymore. NFTs, no. this and that. Digital comics. I can't even look at a digital comic. Only because I don't like looking at that white screen. I I miss like when I do my comic book sketches, I, I put the make the background yellow on purpose so it looks like four color ink. Mm. I mean, I'm a little bit of a I'm I'm an old school guy that that way, but yeah, it just I'm I'm I owe my entire career to being a digital sculptor. hundred mm-hmm. percent. But I'm not, I don't, I'm not a TikTok person. I'm not a, I use social media to, used to be, I used to use it for marketing and I was cultivating a persona. It mm-hmm. was a brand. There was Joe Mena was a brand. I used to do his Facebook live videos. Yeah. And the Joe Mena, even when I come up, everything was calculated. Every, even when I showed a family shot, everything was, I was working out great. I was doing really well. I was making, 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 I was really successful in the collectibles industry for a long time. And then I just decided to say F it. And I'm like, I'm just going to do it because I love it. And if I'm, hopefully I get hired and whatever I put on social media now, it's just like me. Mm-hmm. And it's not me. It's not me trying to like impress others. That. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or no, not impressed, but it's not, there's no narrative there. You know, it's like, yeah, no intent. It's more, it's more just me just genuinely connecting my friends. And that's good. Shit like that. I think, but uh, speaking of which, uh, I better reconnect with this job I'm working on. <laughs> Yes, yes. That's two years of your that's two hours of your life you're never gonna get back. No. Nobody's gonna no I guarantee you nobody watches two hours. <laughs> this bullshit. This might be the last podcast you ever you ever Pro, like, perhaps. Might, YouTube might shut you down after this. Yeah. I, I like it though. But I wanna say, Joe, I wanna say thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Uh I appreciate your honesty. I appreciate that you are um you're you're open to share your world and your experiences. I think you're um very you're 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 joe to me like every time uh, i love to read your post on facebook i love what you share and it has nothing to do like you said you're just you have no filters you know you're the type of person that (laughs) yeah that's fucking true and that it's it's good you know like i feel that sometimes uh you know some other people are trying to be this persona but you're not it's just you and uh, and I think that that shows a better picture of the world that you're living. And as a consumer, as a collector, I'm grateful for that because I can see that that you are just like 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 me. You're a person that loves these well, things. It's a continuum, man. I think the greatest gift of all collectibles, any, I think the greatest gift of any artist is to be able to make things that make people happy. And in this collectibles community, you, me. I don't exist without you and you don't have the shit that you want to put on your shelves without me and the other legions of people that it takes to make that one individual thing. Mm-hmm. We have, there, we're all, it's a brother. Connected. I look at, it's fandom is a brother and sisterhood amongst all of us. We're all fans of this shit. Like we're all connected. We're all, yeah, we are connected, man. This is like, this is, this is, this is our new mythology. This is, this is our culture. Mm-hmm. Popular culture is our culture. These are, our, these are our, 
pen these are this is our coyote this is our loki this is our our zeus this is this is our you know whatever 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 mesoamerican god you want to bring up or in or east indian i hate to use that word east indian it sounds like some some uh what do you call it? Uh, colonialist bullshit but i'm just saying like man it's just this is what these this is this, this really it's really important stuff i believe this this stuff is really important well, well, thank oh, you, Joe. And your time, man. No, thank you very much. And I want to say to everyone, if you're interested in following Joe, I will have the links in the description. You can follow him on Facebook. Um, you can follow him also on Instagram. Is there any other place where people can see your work besides Instagram or Facebook? Yeah, just not want to talk about it. They can see it every day. <laughs> every day, everywhere. <laughs> everywhere, that's true. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. But thank you very much, Joe. And thank everyone for watching and for listening to this podcast. Thank you, JP. God bless you, everyone. Thank you, Joe. Take care. You Thanks. too. Bye-bye.